fear. Yeah. Founders fear, employees fear. How do you get over the pe- fear and how, how do you Maybe actually... want to jump. Exactly, exactly. So, as you've said, Riley have done amazing things. And actually, I was a client as well. So oh, I'm very, really? yeah, so, so I'm very aware. So it has a great consumer brand. But what you need to recognize, particularly as a startup, mm. that maybe you haven't gotten around to it yet, is what's your employer brand? Standout Irish startup Riley joined us in our last episode and requested help with hiring the right people. As always, the local Irish enterprise office availed itself to offer support. So you could be amazing as a a brand and, oh yeah, that looks really good. I love your products and everything else. But as an employer, who are you? What do you stand for? What do you believe in? In today's show, business advisor with Leo Fingal, Sharon Rossignolo steps up to help us understand why so many startups struggle with hiring and what they can do to attract the right people the first time around. And let's not forget, and it's going back to that element of being human. Every human who walks in the door, as nice as they are, what's in it for me? Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Founder Podcast. Uh, I'm Bernard Nolan, and today I'm delighted to welcome Sharon uh, Rossignolo with us uh, from the Local Enterprise Office. So, Sharon, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Bernard. Delighted to be here. Fantastic. So we'd love to learn just a little bit more uh, about the local enterprise office in itself, what you guys do for startups, how you help startups, and then we've got plenty of questions for you as well for today. Brilliant. Well, first of all, I'm from local enterprise office, Fingal. I'm a business advisor there. However, we are just one of 31 local enterprise offices around the country. So we we serve Ireland um, and we're the first stop shop for small businesses and it's kind of a case of what don't we do in that capacity? <laughs> so uh, we do training, we do mentoring, funding initiatives as well. So startups who satisfy a certain criteria, I suppose we're looking for the types of businesses that will bring good to Ireland. So employment, export, manufacturing, that kind of thing. And there are also other funding initiatives for companies, for example, who want to get online, such as the trading online voucher, for example. So there's lots and lots of stuff. There's kind of a wide umbrella where any type of startup founder or entrepreneur can come to us. And, you know, even if we can't help directly, the fact that we do, we do the mentoring and the training allows us to signpost to other organizations who can help out. Okay. So um, really, we are the first stop shop and we do our best. We enjoy it. It's it's an exciting space to be in, as you know, mm-hmm. as the founder factory. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, it's, an expi- it's dynamic. It's exciting. We're always on the go. There's al- always something new happening. And, and I'm sure we'll cover that off through the course of the podcast. Brilliant, brilliant. And I suppose like for anyone that's watching this now or, or listening, if they have an idea and they're kind of toying with the idea of, of pursuing that further, what would be your advice in terms of engaging with the local enterprise office and what kind of where did they start? Yeah, the first way to start is to actually make the call. Um, I have spoken to people who have said I've been toying with this idea for five years, mm-hmm. 10 years, but they never actually take the step to move forward and have a conversation. And essentially, as a as a first stop shop, that's what we do. We have the conversation. You know, nothing bad is going to happen. It's a safe <laughs> space. Let's just talk it out and see what it looks like. Obviously, from a local enterprise office perspective, we have a lot of experience. We've seen a lot of companies mm. go through um, companies who've done really well, companies that have perhaps struggled a bit along the way. We've been able to help out and maybe companies that unfortunately it hasn't worked out for. But the good thing about any 
new founder coming in or new entrepreneur is that we have all that experience we've seen it so that's where we can talk through and give advice so hopefully save you from making some of the mistakes that other people have made along the way that maybe didn't have that advice and um, so we run business clinics mm-hmm. uh, we have two business advisors who basically you know on a Tuesday and a Thursday that is their job they sit there they have 40 minute slots where they'll talk through whatever query you have so we could have anything from somebody who's already started a business who maybe is, is looking for funding or seeing what's available to them, how we can help out. You'll have people come in with specific challenges such as like, you know, OK, I th- I'm thinking about offering this service, but how do I price it or how do I market it? Um, so really, it could be anything. But in terms of the actual idea itself, it's just about talking it through to somebody who's sensible, who has common sense, a practical approach. And then we can help out and signpost you. And on that, do you keep with the businesses from the start all the way through? Do you kind of help them out or do they have to come to you for specific issues? Yeah, so I suppose, you know, we don't want to be that overpowering mm. mother or parent <laughs> who's like all over you. <laughs> and and to mom. Exactly. So, you know, some business that they'll come in, they might do the start your own business course with yeah. us to kick off. And, you know, they, they've enjoyed it. They know and they understand the supports that are there and they come back again and again. So okay. it feels like a family. Genuinely, it feels like a family. There are other people who maybe will engage once, maybe twice, but then that's OK for them. And they go yeah. off and they find their own way and they do what to, they need to do. And, you know, in some cases, people get so busy that they don't have the time to come mm-hmm. back. And, you know, looking back over the pandemic, that was something that was really interesting because I had been involved with the local enterprise office before, during and after the pandemic. And what I found is during the pandemic, there were businesses that I knew of, but had never engaged with us. And they Mm. said, like, Sharon, we don't have the time usually. Mm. And this is the first time we actually didn't realize how much you guys do to support and help. So in one way, it was a great opportunity for them to. And and this is what we'll often say to businesses, get your head out of the business to work on the business. Mm. So step back for a moment. That must have been a really intense time at Enterprise Island. Hugely intense. I am probably still recovering to a degree. I think we're just, you know, looking back saying, did that really happen? But I think in general, you know, let's always remember that we're all humans at the end of the day. So underneath the chaos and everything that was going on underneath it all, there was a human need and want to be able to support people if we could. And we really, really did. Like we ran networking sessions online. Trainings all went online. Like ironically, we were, I suppose, a little bit behind the curve in that, in that we had um, always done in-person trainings and brought people into the office. So it really pushed us to look at that online opportunity and bring more people in. And um, it just gave us the opportunity to meet people, engage with people. And I I actually feel they'll never forget Mm. that because I've had people say to a sense during when people are going through a really tough time and you're the one who's helped them out, they never forget it. And they'll always acknowledge that. Almost bonding through that kind of trauma. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And there was definitely a sense. I know it became a bit of a cliche at the time. We're all in this together. Mm. But genuinely in business at that time, when everything shut down, we were all in it together. So it was like, right, okay, let's calm down here. What can you do with this time? And, you know, it's a it's a classic thing. Never stop marketing, no matter what. It's a good opportunity to pull out your content there. What can you do with that? How can you purpose that? And even this podcast, I mean, the amount of people who started up podcasts were able to guest on podcasts, things they had never thought about before. So and isn't that crazy, Bernard? So far, all of the guests we've had on our show have also mentioned their experiences in COVID. You know, the company we want to talk about today, Riley, and maybe give them some help, they found it as a result 
of COVID. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's a really incredible start. And if we're thinking about the question we're tackling today, and I'm going to play it for our audience in just a second, uh, we're chatting about Fiona Parfrey's question. And I know that you guys are actually aware of her company, Riley, which is a a biodegradable sanitary hygiene product for women company. It's focused, like you said, doing good for Ireland. These women really are the epitome. They're three founders and they've done great work. So I just want to quickly take a second to play that clip of the question they're dealing with. <laughs> so for <laughs> us right now, what we're really struggling mm -hmm. with is the hiring, right? So hiring. we have a few open positions on the team that have been there for quite a while and we are purposely very picky about who we bring on board As because you be, yeah. the melting they, pot exactly. protect the melting pot yeah and we need we need to find people that obviously are driven and, and hardworking and ambitious and have all the competencies that we're looking for but at the same time that really believe in what we're doing yeah because startup life can be a roller coaster. I know that sounds really cliche, but there's no other better way of describing it. There's ups and there's downs all of the time. So we need people that really believe in what we're doing and our mission so that when things go badly, that, you know, they're still with they us. Hang in. They hang in there and they can see the bigger picture. And so we, we are struggling to find people as a small startup because I suppose, you know, there's so many amazing, like, businesses. Giant firms giant where you feel safe in your corner. Exactly, exactly. I understand. Yeah. Right, so I'm sitting now with the two of you, and you're both founders in your own right. Uh, Sharon, you founded your own company. Bernard, you've got a few. And you founded, Sharon, Coach Executive Island. That's right, yeah. So I would have originally worked in corporate, mm. and when I came out of that, it was like, okay, what do I want to do? Uh, originally I went with Business English because way back when I inherited my Rossignuolo name because I actually married an Italian on the back of teaching <laughs> Tefal in Italy. Um, but uh, it was like, right, you know, corporate, I've done that. I need a bit of flexibility. What can I do? Yeah. So it morphed from Business English into executive coaching. And it gives me a real perspective because when then I'm working with Leo Fingol and the entrepreneurs and founders, I can see how big companies work yeah. and I can see um, the challenges that they have that small companies can rejoice in because they don't have those yet. There can actually be a real challenge mm -hmm. when it gets big. And even the, the problem we're going to talk about or the challenge we're going to talk about, about retaining, hiring yeah. and retaining staff, you know, large companies have that too. Um, however, I would say for a company like Riley, there's a real opportunity of what's falling out of that tree. People who don't necessarily mm -hmm. want to be in that big corporate cog in the wheel type situation yeah. to have more of a startup feel. So there's, there are opportunities there. And they're a really cool company to go in with. But do you guys relate to that kind of thing, having started your own things? Bernard, do you relate yeah. to that challenge? Have you faced it before? Yeah, like, look, I'm sure a lot of people kind of can relate to this right now. Like, if you just look at the, the tech industry in itself, yeah. there's massive amount of layoffs right now. Mm. Um, but I suppose it's also posing a fantastic opportunity for those who kind of was thinking about starting their own business, had a really good idea, has been involved in tech, and now all of a sudden find themselves in a position where they actually want to explore that a little bit further mm. and, and take that, that initiative and just, you know... Run with it. Yeah, run with it and kind of just answer that voice that's been in the back of their head for, for some time now and just say, look, I want to start something and, and go with it. So while it's fantastic for 
individuals and startups and entrepreneurs to actually pursue that. More importantly, for startups that are looking for that talent, then there's a massive amount of talent out there right now that we can capitalize on mm-hmm. and bring into the business to help accelerate it. So uh, I think there's challenges. There's fantastic challenges for, for getting new talent in. But coming back to the original question, how do we retain that talent is, is, is actually another challenge in itself as well. Mm. Mm. And speaking on that, given that there is this influx in the Irish market, Sharon, what is it that is really the crux of this issue? What are we competing with here? I mean, you know, when you've got big companies who yeah. are offering really big salaries, the the bean bags, the free foods, the, <laughs> the wrapping pods, exactly the, the swimming pool, you know, come on. Um, but it goes back to what I said earlier on. It's about being human. Yeah. So maybe in the short term or for a period of time, people can go on that grind and and use those opportunities that the companies are giving them to basically stay in there 24-7. However, at a certain point, whether it's due to ages and stages or whatever it is, at a certain point, people want to find themselves. Mm. They want a level of, I suppose, purpose. And what are we really doing here? What am I contributing to the world, to the environment, um, to the people around me? And sometimes, you know, I've worked in big companies and when you're a cog in the wheel and you're locked away in your own team and you can see decisions being made elsewhere that you don't necessarily agree with, but your voice isn't strong enough or large enough, big enough or ranking high enough to be able to say, look, I don't, this is not going to work. Whereas for a startup, when you give people that opportunity to say, well, actually, you do have a voice, we're in this together and we appreciate your talents. In terms of hiring and and when we got on to the retention piece, because I suppose they're two separate pieces, yeah. really. But it is important to acknowledge people as human and invest in that and develop mm. with that when people can see a purpose, um, when they see what the mission is and they're being reminded of that. Like I worked in companies where you know, the mission was, it was something on the website. The values were something on yeah. the website and that was it. It didn't filter all the way down. Exactly. So when someone's, when someone comes into a company and they see this is real, this is ongoing, this is what we're working towards. And even on those really, really bad days, which let's not joke around, running a business is not easy. <laughs> there are the really tough days that you can tap back in and, okay, well, why am I here? And I knew this was going to happen, but this taps into my value of responsibility, my value of integrity or whatever it is. Um, so there, there are opportunities for sure. But acknowledging that people are human and tapping into that is huge. Something the corporates don't always successfully do. What do you think, Bernard? Yeah. Is the key of knowing who you are key to hiring? Is it almost a crux to sell yourself to employees? Because that's what yeah. it sounds like you're saying to me, Sharon. I, I, I think it's a... It's it's a mix of things, really. It's it's knowing who you are, um, knowing what you're looking for in in your your growth. But as an employer and as someone who's yeah. looking to bring people into, um, like even if we look at our own hiring here, like we've accelerated our growth, uh, we've hired uh, quite aggressively and we'll continue to do so. But we're looking at someone who's going to be on the journey with us, and like that is able to you know for us to invest mm-hmm. in that individual for them to grow with us, um. And then it's also a case of kind of taking a step back and saying, how can I help this person grow within the industry in their own career? Because if we look at tech again, and I'm just using tech because that, that's my background, is that that growth has stagnated. You could be in the same role for you know a couple of years. It's almost incentivized where you have to job hop 
and go to different companies in order to grow and to get get uh, you know an increase in salary mm-hmm. and i think for us as we grow we would love our, our team to grow with us and i think it's very important that we keep mm-hmm. focused on that goal <laughs> the way he smiles at me because i'm part of that team <laughs> lashing what do you think sharon is there is there truth to that yeah, absolutely. I think when, again, acknowledging people's need for growth, yeah. acknowledging that, and I agree totally with you, Bernard, and this was my experience as well, being a manager in a team and basically being, you know, the, the company was was putting out this directive that people needed to, uh, that your manager was there to support your job progression. So you have people who didn't want to do the jobs they were in, at en- you know, at entry level, mm-hmm. They were like, well, why? I just need this job. Mm. I said, like, well, no, you need to do this job really well mm. first. Let's work with this and move on. So there has to be a level of managing expectations, mm. but creating growth within that role in terms of, okay, so you might be doing the same thing day in, day out, but how are you doing it? How are you approaching mm. it? What did you learn? What could you do differently? And this is where it comes back to your development as a founder, as an entrepreneur, as a leader how you're having those conversations and the communication styles, understanding each other. So there are some excellent, um, you know, psychometrics out there and courses. For example, I do Insights Discovery, which is a really excellent. Fantastic. It's just so simple. Yeah. It's it's about it's it's not about putting into a, you into a box. This is your personality type. That's your personality. Type. No, it's about, OK, this is the these are the type of kind of behaviors that you tend to channel channel more so rather than this person, for example. But how can we bring this together? How can we organize these strengths in a way that works together and acknowledging that we can't all be the same? How boring would the world we be if we were all the same communicating in the same way? You have to have the people who basically talk in numbers versus the people who look at the blue sky thinking. Versus the people who really care about people. So they're always thinking about, okay, what can I do to make sure that the people are looked after? And then, of course, you have to have the people who are like, let's get it done. Put those together. Let them appreciate it together. Appreciate each other's strengths to work in a way that makes the company grow Mm. and helps it flourish. I love that. I love that because at the crux of it, and I am not in the founder mindset like the two of you, I'm firmly in an employee mindset. And I love that because you're speaking about the individuals. And I think there's a there's this little sense of fear, you know, whether you be a founder or an employee moving into a startup. What are those fears that employees are battling with? The things that are holding them back, do you guys feel that need to be addressed then by founders and employers and entrepreneurs to get the right people in the door? What's the major concern? What's the stumbling block? I, I think um if you look at startups, traditionally they're always seen as a as a risky move, and I think from an employee coming into a startup, I suppose from their perspective or, or potential candidate coming in, it's like, okay, well, how long is this startup potentially going to be around? Yeah. That's probably the first Do thing I they're have thinking to look of. Again tomorrow. Absolutely, <laughs> um, and like, look, I'm, I'm not going to lie, it, it's a risky business, but there's a reason behind that risk because mm. the reward is is is, is very much there. Um, and I suppose as well, like when you have the attractive benefits and salaries, as, as we'd mentioned with some of the larger companies, um, you know, I think sometimes it can be a case of, do I want to take that risk? Mm. And is, is it worth my my time and effort? On the other side of it, then the rewards are so much more there. Mm. Career progression can be accelerated, but more importantly than anything else, the actual fulfillment and the enjoyment you get out of working in a mission that you, you love, a job that you thoroughly enjoy 
I think if you can wake up and work within a small team, working in a company that you thoroughly believe in yeah. and are actually part of building, it can make those, or you can overcome those challenges a lot easier, I think, in my opinion. Yeah, 100%. Um, it's ironic, actually, because a lot of the, the clients I work with on the coaching side, they're, we'll say, medium-sized businesses that they've come out of that startup phase and growing bigger and the teams mm -hmm. are growing. And that's a real challenge for them. That's a, a big topic that I coach through. How do you let go? And that excitement and that fulfillment. And now you're coming away and allowing other people to do that. So you have to, you basically have to look for your excitement elsewhere. But there's, it's almost going back to that, that book about who moved my cheese about the little mouse who keeps going back to the same place for the cheese and one day the cheese isn't there anymore mm. um i agree totally with you bernard I, I think it's coming back to people who want more do you want more and the other thing i would say let's be honest job stability companies being around forever i mean particularly with the introduction of ai now yeah that is nothing certain no, it's 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 yeah. it's just it's the industrial revolution and some in terms of how it's going to change things. There was a time I actually remember back in the dark days of, you know, 2008 and the crash, etc. About how people said, God, do you remember the time when the civil service and the banks, that was where your parents would drive you into because you were guaranteed a job for life. Yeah. The truth is there is no job for life anymore. And a lot of those people that hopefully you will be able to attract They've been made redundant from their big corporate companies that were going to be there forever. There are very few, I suppose I'll, I'll be diplomatic, there are very few companies who aren't shedding in some way, shape or form. Mm. It doesn't always make the headlines. Sometimes it's just about tightening the screws around performance, around, you know, challenges, perhaps mm. not investing in certain areas and therefore you as an employee can't reach your performance and therefore you're managed out the door for example yeah. mm -hmm. so there is no job for life anymore yeah. i mean the main example being how often did we go on a friday night to rent a movie one streaming yep. site was all it took one streaming site was all it took yeah and those are gone you don't really go and rent movies anymore with your kids that isn't the friday night fun <laughs> is it no nope. so i mean it's a very interesting thing to to consider but this seems like, this seems like something we should know. So what is the mindset? Is it a lack of knowledge about the benefits of going into a startup? How does a startup, I mean, let's look at Riley. Riley is a brilliant, all-female run, local startup that's done incredible things in a really short space of time. Mm -hmm. Them, as startups go, out of everyone, should be flying. They shouldn't have an issue finding people to come in, the right people. So where is the disconnect here? Something doesn't seem like it's it's adding up. I agree with everything you guys have said. Yeah, I, I think it as well, it can be, I think if you like, so I'm, I'm a parent and I wouldn't just bring anyone in to mind my, my child. I would be very... Um, very careful as to who I would introduce Ooh, as going, yeah. so when you when you look at your your startup in a way it's very much your baby I yeah. like you know some and I can relate to myself particularly in the early stages of some of my other companies like I've spent more time with my business than I have with my family and that's become my literally my child we're gonna have and to do a whole nother show about yeah, that like, so, so. <laughs> coming soon but with that like it's a case then of like introducing someone to your child or introducing someone to your business is a very very kind of thin line as to making sure that 
are they the right fit? And I genuinely would not bring someone into the business mm. unless I felt they were a good fit for the business and also how they can help advance the business forward. So I think with startups, when you know, you're always thinking about, okay, what's your runway? What's my burn rate? How am I gonna be able to get to, you know, next month, never mind six months time, where you invest key, you know, key elements of your business into is people. So make sure you have the right person in is really important and you don't want to just be blowing cash for the sake of it and then you know four months time realizing oh that wasn't the best decision there and i've burned quite a bit sure. of money there's a lot going into this yeah because we're talking about founders fears here that's a founder fear to let yeah. go of that power but you're also talking about finding the right person who's then as fiona put it in willing to believe mm. whatever that believe is like you say that understanding that i can grow here uh, that's a lot to tackle, actually. Is it a matter of maybe Riley needs to let people in and see if they're the right fit? Or do you need to be really sure before you put them in? Of course, that goes back to Bernard's point. Yeah. If you look back, six months of salary gone mm. on something that didn't work out. And I think, Paige, you've just hit the nail on the head. It's fear. Yeah. Founders fear. Employees fear. How do you get over the p- fear and how, how do you Everyone actually want to jump? Exactly, exactly. So as you've said, Riley have done amazing things. And actually, I was a client as well. So oh, I'm very, really? yeah, so so I'm very aware of, of what they've done. You and marketing manager, she fangirled when we brought yeah. in Fiona. <laughs> she was absolutely over the moon with her. So it has a great consumer brand. But what you need to recognize, particularly as a startup, mm. that maybe you haven't gotten around to it yet, is what's your employer brand? So you could be amazing as a, a brand and, oh, yeah, that looks really good. And I love your products and everything else. But as an employer, who are you? What do you stand for? What do you believe in? And let's not forget, and it's going back to that element of being human. Every human who walks in the door, as nice as they are, what's in it for me? Mm-hmm. And and it, it doesn't just stop at the, the money, the perks, because I've met plenty of people. I've been one of those people who's worked in corporate and had all the perks and been able to walk away because there was something deep inside just wasn't there. So it's back to what you were saying, Mm -hmm. Paige, about that they believe, but also what are you doing to reach deep inside? And that comes to that development. What are you going to learn? What are you going to do? And you as a founder being able to take your head out of the business and speaking to that person on a consistent basis about how are you doing? What are you getting from this? And reminding them of the good stuff that's mm. happening every day, even those are really tough times, those dark days, like we all know it, the dark days are the ones you look back now and you think, God, look at all I learned. Yeah. What no, came from true. that? Bernard, you're our brand guy, let's be honest. Man's <laughs> obsessed with the brand, yeah. right? I've never <laughs> even comes heard with job description. the term <laughs> employer brand. Yeah. What is an employer brand to you? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So like the employer brand is what I suppose... Never mind even external, but mm. internally what employees live and breed. So when they come into the office, how they feel about working here, what they say to their friends, what they say outside about the company is employer brand. It comes down to myself and my business partner, Robbie, how we carry ourselves in the business and what we are doing to help everyone else in the business grow in their own way as well. And that for me is, is, is employer brand. It's not what we're showcasing on, you know, our Instagram ads or what anyone else sees. That's irrelevant. Yeah. That's branding. Employer brand for us is what everybody inside the company feels about the company. All right. Sharon, hmm. you've worked with so many companies, so many companies. Let's 
no company is ever perfect, just like no person is ever perfect. Let's put them aside and say, if you were to, from scratch, build up the best corporation to work for, this is how you want to market yourself as your employer brand, what would it look like? So totally agree, first of all, with what Bernard Mm. said, never underestimate the power of a group of small people who are going out into the world and talking about the company. And I'll just say from when the minute I came in the door, every single one of you were so friendly. You're straight away in their firm handshake, introducing yourselves, you know, Bianca, Dan behind the scenes, you Paige, you Bernard, all of you, there's just such a warmth and a feeling about it. So already that the feeling is good. And that's really important because at the end of the day, it is how people people feel every day when they walk in. Bear in mind when your employees feel that way, some a client who walks in the door, they feel that Mm. they they feel that too. Never underestimate the importance of belonging when people feel that they they are a part of something and that you believe in the same ideals and the important respect, integrity, those type of values that really, you know, help people just live their best, the best version of themselves, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, never underestimate the small things. I remember, now this is showing my age, but way back in the day when I worked in eBay and they used to run this competition, Manager of the Year EMEA. Yeah. And um, like, it's like it's not, you didn't apply for it. It was just this thing that happened. And certainly I didn't even, because I was actually too busy working. I was so into my work at the time <laughs> that I didn't consider like how, you know, that, that I was, bad. yeah, in, in mm. with a chance or whatever. But ironically, that whole process went on where it was shortlisted and then I was announced as being the winner. And what they had done, they pulled a few bit videos together of people from my team and what they said. Fantastic. It was the tiny things. It's about the how much you care. Things. It's that somebody cared enough about mm. you to be able to do that. That said, you know, it's not a, a free for all. It's like, look, it's a mutual respect. I know you're doing your best work and I really appreciate and value that. And this is the environment we have in return. And the the reason we have this feel good feeling is that everybody is doing their best in here. Um, And that's what it really comes down to. But building it up again, education sounds like a very stern and strong Mm. world, but an awareness, a consistent and constant awareness of having that respect for people, a way of communicating an open and transparent culture that people actually feel that they can speak up. And that it's not black mark against you. You know, I've worked in companies like that where, you know, someone has gone and spoken up on the rest of on, on behalf of the team and they have been like years later, it's like, oh, is that guy that guy in the red jumper? The yeah. Said that thing once. Exactly. Career dead. You 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 can't have that because again, if everyone is working towards the same goal and they want to achieve the same things, We're when you have good in, exactly when you have good intentions behind it, it can only be positive. But it has to be kept throughout. It has to be consistent. It has to be, it can't be like a twice yearly thing with the performance review. Those conversations have to be held in a certain way, in a respectful way, in a consistent way. And all the time that that person feels like they're cared about, respected and also being developed, but also never underestimating. You know, sometimes I think... I think a lot of companies have such great intentions, particularly the big companies I worked with. Yeah. Like they used to pour in lots of money into like they maybe... Miss the mark a little. Yeah, miss the mark. Because I'm coming from a big corporate and I don't want to put a stain on big corporates here, but you do actually have a sense of PTSD yes. coming out of that space to speak up and yep. do exactly that kind of thing. We think, I don't know if this is safe. I don't know if I'm going to be the guy who spoke. So you just kind of keep it to yourself. Mm-hmm. 
Um, that's not a case in startups. So that's one of those things where actually you're proving you don't have to drop hundreds and millions of euro to get this right. No. Just to add on that as well, and, and coming back to what you're saying, Sharon, as well, that if you have that space, and we, we see that ourselves with our own team, is that it allows you to move a lot faster. So if you're able to have those frank and honest conversations and like I'll be the first one to say, I don't know everything. Robbie doesn't know everything. And, you know, we've got within our team, we've got specialists that specialize in podcasts and in video editing, in photography, in marketing. And, you know, we have to be able to take feedback on boards and sometimes realize, well, actually, maybe we're not going in the right direction. We need to have a frank and honest conversation about it and then move quickly. Mm -hmm. And that's the real appeal with startups is how quick you can move. And if you've got a team that's all bought in, we're all singing off the same hymn sheet and we all get on really, really well, but have those boundaries, it allows us to move really, really quick. And that's what I love about startups. Yeah, and, and you have to be, because if you're going down a line that's not working, then you have to pivot really quickly, adapt. Um, and even just on that whole area of, you know, bringing people in and, and be able to have those conversations. One of probably, when I trained as a coach, one of the most important aspects I learned was around contracting. Now, with employer-employee, you think the only contract is the one that you sign at the beginning, but actually you need to consistently contract. Mm. At You know, even at the start of every conversation, look, Bernard, today we're going to cover off this. We need to talk about how this is going to go. I'm going to be open and honest about it. I'm going to tell you like it is. And then nobody's shocked. Everybody knows what's happening. Everyone knows what's expected of them. So making sure, it just being really clear. Is it Brenny Brown that says clear is kind, unclear is unkind? So when everyone knows where their stance goes back to what you say, Paige, about psychological safety, mm. we know where we are and that's what you need for a successful startup. And then in terms of local enterprise office, we're there. If you need to hop out for a minute in terms of mentoring, in terms of training, training supports, um, we have a leadership program as well that's actually designed over a number of weeks to help people. And it's not just we're we're not so arrogant that we think it's all about yeah. us and what we give. There's that peer learning as well. You meet other leaders, other founders, other entrepreneurs. Which is, by the way, it's been fantastic. I've engaged with Leo and Fingal. Oh, brilliant. Um, and I've been through a number of different courses. And to be to be honest, it's been fantastic. And I think a, a common misconception there, sometimes people think that there's costs associated with engaging. And, and if you'd like to touch a little bit on that. Yeah, absolutely. So... Uh, mentoring is free at the moment when you come into your, the business clinic even for that initial 40 minute chat it might be the first and last time we see you no problem that's free mm. if we signpost you maybe to somewhere else that we feel that suits you better or one of our training courses or our mentoring the mentoring is free the training courses they're nominal fees um, because you know good advice for businesses is mm. often when when things are completely free all the time people don't value them so we put a fee on there just to make sure that people value it and show up etc but essentially like myself my fellow mentors the people who are delivering the training these are experts that honestly if they went into a corporate company you could slap a couple of th thousand on yeah. that course you know and they're the value valuable that you get out of it is, is fantastic the networking opportunities i've met yeah. uh, a couple of other founders throughout that um that course that we were on and we still keep in touch and you know it's actually great that you can develop your own network as well and talk with other founders about a problem that you actually have and have they experienced that or more importantly have they overcome it if it's like a tax issue that you may yeah. be having 
have you have you done this form before? How do I go about it? What do I need to do? And it's a really good sounding board to, to have in place. A hundred percent. I'll often say that to people about networking, like even if it's down to do you know a good accountant, it's <laughs> worth its weight in gold. Let's jump on that because we've all touched each other's world here in some way. Yeah. You've used the Riley products, you're in with a podcast for us, you've used Leo before. Yeah. We're all touching each other's yeah. world. Where can Riley go? to help with this problem where have you guys found great staff before how do you start looking where are you looking first yeah i I definitely think uh looking at i suppose firstly those networks so um like look it's a small ecosystem Mm. Uh, as as much as it's grown ireland is quite small the startup ecosystem is quite small but it's very well connected so putting the word out saying i'm looking for someone uh, for whatever role it may be, do you know anyone that would be really good? I will always say referrals are better than anything else. So mm. good people are always referred by other good people. And a prime example, if you look at ourselves, um, we've had Rebecca working for us. Um, you know, when Rebecca was looking at um, her brother getting a job, yeah. um, the fact that, you know, Rebecca had referred Dan to us, um, you know, good people know good people. So I definitely think utilizing the networks you have is a good starting point. And then I suppose from there, you know, just being quite rigorous in terms of your your interview processes, making sure that you're very much aligned from both sides that it's a right fit. Because the worst thing you can do is jump into it into um or make a decision quite quickly and then realize then oh, this isn't really the best fit. Mm. So Take your time and network is is really important. Okay. Yeah, totally agree Um, on the networking piece. You never know who knows somebody, but you also, and again, this is coming back to like, we can give advice till the cows come home, but let me bring it back to the founder themselves and how much they need to work on themselves and the things they need to do on a consistent basis. So when they are networking, go out with intention. So it's not just about letting people know your company. If you're really fixed now on, I need these types of people, have that conversation in your networking conversations. Follow up with people that you meet at Mm -hmm. networking events. We have the Fingal Enterprising Women Network, for example. Um, Many Leos around the country have uh, networking events. We also actually do a networking briefing as well out in, I don't know if you've gone to that, Bernard, as well. Um, But again, there's... There's lots of networking events that are set up for that reason. Being ready with that conversation if recruitment is part of what you need. Following up with people afterwards, don't leave it at that five-minute conversation over a coffee, going over LinkedIn, etc. And back to that employer branding, be smart. If Rebecca is willing to go on a video and say, I started back in Riley in, you know, 2020. My experience is it's been an amazing way for me to grow my career or whatever, or the founder goes on there and does a video about this is who we're looking for. Come join us, for example. Don't leave any stone unturned. Mm. It's, it's a, again, back to that employer branding. If you're really serious about it, then put that as part of your strategy mm. to get those right people in. Because, oh my goodness, when you get the right people in to bring it up, you can bring to the next level. And the other thing I would say about startups, often... I know people have all sorts of ideas of what of what a successful startup means and what you need to do to get it. Often, it's one or two good contracts and boom, you've hit it. Yeah. yeah. And the right people in there to get you over to that level. And again, I'd go back to the fact that, you know, particularly people who perhaps have taken redundancy or have left jobs, for example, um, they're they're in that middle ground at the moment. They are stalking LinkedIn. Mm. So make sure that you're connecting with people 
uh, that you're asking people to share stuff, all that yeah. kind of thing, because there are lots of eyes on there that you don't even know about. Yeah. yeah. And I found that interesting because, like I said, as an employee, from that point of view, what I loved about starting here was how quickly you guys got back to me. It made me also feel instantly valued. So you said, don't leave it to that five minute conversation. I think that's some brilliant advice because those people are in limbo. They're looking to be valued. They want your attention too. They're out there. Uh, are there any top tips that you've come across you want to leave with Riley, with the founders of Riley? I definitely think the video is is great and that mm. coming back to the employer brand and, and uh, whether it's the founder or the hiring manager, um, video is a really strong way of connecting with um, your audience and particularly if it's there's someone there that you have in mind in terms of the profile of the, the candidate you're trying to attract, putting a video out there talking about the company and talking about the role rather than just your standard job post yeah. Yeah. will definitely help increase the visibility but also help attract the type of individual that you're actually looking for. Uh, and that in itself can save some time, particularly when it comes to filtering through applications. We're all very busy people. We've got lots going on. Nobody enjoys spending hours upon hours filtering through. So increasing the quality of your candidates will definitely help by showcasing a little bit more about who you're looking for, why you're looking for this role, and more importantly, a little bit more about the company itself will help. Yeah. Exactly. And and what they're going to get from that, yeah. what, what, you know, the, so again, matching up those values, there's almost certain words that people, when they hear are like, oh, I, I like that. That's interesting to me. That's, you know, so, so talking, talking to the type of person that you're looking for. Um, and I suppose as well, just on the, and again, it might be a very obvious one, but the hiring process itself. So this crazy stuff of like 10 interviews and 12 presentations, <laughs> three tests, you lose them, you yeah. know, you've, you've lost them. So be smart be really smart. Um, you know, make sure you're, you're not asking questions for the sake of asking questions. Ask good questions. And again, that's where your network comes in. Bernard, great to see you again since the last network meeting. Listen, give me one question that you always hit people with that, it, that has resulted in good value for you of what mm -hmm. you get back or what you're looking for or whatever. Because that's one thing about being a founder and entrepreneur. You're not an expert at everything. Yeah. So you may not have had that experience previously of interviewing people or finding the best talent. Maybe it was TA that did a lot of that for you. Um, so you just need to upscale on that side of things. So, you know, educating yourself as well. I suppose the other thing I'd say for Riley, it might be a bit, oh, what does the people say? Um, it might be a bit co controversial. Uh, <laughs> However, ooh, <I'm> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, um, continue. <laughs> diversity and inclusion. So with a product like Riley, of course, mm. you're going to be drawn to, we want women who, yeah. uh, but... That's not necessarily, you need different perspectives, mm. a different way of looking at things. So don't tie yourself oh to gosh. a particular gender. I know. In my household, my boyfriend buys more pads and period products than I do. <laughs> Straight up. By the time I need them, I've forgotten. So yeah. he's the man you want to hire. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, and see, this is, sometimes we can have a particular view or of opinion. Well, that's never going to work. But then Actually. you hear that and yeah. it's like, yeah. And then what other skills is he bringing in there? Or what mm. other perspective is he bringing in there, for mm. example? Yeah. I'd never underestimate how different people from different backgrounds and uh, have kind of different ideas and bring that in that can open up a whole new market or a whole new way of working for you. Oh, yeah. fantastic. Great advice. Absolutely. And I suppose with that as well, I think sometimes people are always fixated and focused on, oh, do you have to be in my industry? 
And what's oh, yeah. really what's really good there is, like from my perspective, if I'm looking at bringing someone into the business, yes, it would be ideal that they are within that industry, but it doesn't always have to be that case. And mm. particularly for some certain roles, like let's say if it's for sales, for example, um, or business development, you know, you don't necessarily have to be from a tech background. Mm. But if you've got mix of experiences and you've got, you know, all of that built up, I would much prefer someone coming with a diverse background and, you know, a mixed skill set than someone who's been in the same role for four or five years doing the same thing in and out. Yeah. Um, so I think definitely having the mindset there to not just be very narrow focused, but look at look at yeah absolutely look at look at a wider skill sets Mm. that's there as well definitely and actually even like i remember back in coach school uh i remember one of the tests the exercise that gave us was um two candidates who were coming in for a job uh, their emotional intelligence scores Mm. one of them was next near to perfect the other one was kind of middle of the road and was like which one would you pick and we, it was a really tough, like there were a lot of arguments over it mm. as to who would we go for. And of course, the perfectionists were going with the guy who had mm. completely full on. And then the rest of us were like, well, hang on a second. How likely is this perfect guy? How likely fit is, in with the rest of us. Fit in with the rest of us. How likely are they going to stay? Where is mm. the, the room for development there? So be ready for a bit of work, but have that person who has the attitude and willingness to work with it. And when you bring that all together, it can create really great things. All right. Well, thank you both to Sharon and to Bernard thank you, Sharon. for joining for us in. today. Thanks to both How of you. How much fun was that? And thank you so much, Fiona. I hope we helped maybe just a little bit, but always feel free to give us a call, local enterprise office a call. We're all here to help. And best of luck to Riley. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Found It, a production of Factory 44, Ireland's on-demand creative studio based in the heart of Dublin. Found It is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you stream your podcasts. If you like the show, please take a second to subscribe for more episodes and join the conversation on our socials at Factory 44 Studio. If you're looking to record a podcast or are interested in becoming a member of Factory 44, book a call on our website at www.factory44.io.